The... <laughs> great start. Right. So yeah. I love this. This is great. We're just like warming up, yeah. you know? Mm-hmm. The Starry and Decisis podcast is recorded at the CFUV studios located on the unceded Coast Salish territories of the Lekwungen, Songhees, Esquimalt, and Wasanish peoples. As uninvited guests on these lands, we acknowledge the ongoing harm that the University of Victoria, the Faculty of Law, and the practice of law continues to enact on Indigenous communities. How these institutions continue to benefit from the taking of land and their active roles in ongoing colonization. We are committed to amplifying Indigenous and marginalized stories and perspectives to disrupt this reality in creating a more just and diverse future. Episode one, how are we feeling, guys? Nervous. I guess we should mm-hmm. introduce ourselves first. My name is Vincent Shi. My name is Camille O'Sullivan. My name is Sarah Lachance. And we're your podcast hosts for the season of Stereo Indecisis. Okay, so I think maybe we should give our listeners a little bit of context about our podcast. Do you guys know anything about it? This is our first year back after taking a little bit of a hiatus during pandemic law school. Not that we're out of pandemic law school, but we are kind of sort of back in person. Yes. So we are wading back into the waters of the podcast world. Mm Mm-hmm. I think we're kind of taking it in a different direction, too, than in previous seasons. We're going to, you know, make content for the people. Yes. Yes. That's kind of exciting. I think so. Do you know how many seasons we've had before this? Three. (laughs) I want to say two or three. Yeah. If you want to listen to all of our back episodes, you can go on the Starry and Decisis webpage, which will have all of them. Yes. Okay, that's good to know. Okay, well, that's great. We're back. So how are we feeling about starting this new podcast after our hiatus? Pretty nervous. You know, I think starting anything new, you jump into it, but you still kind of have your apprehensions a little bit about what's going on and don't really know how it's going to go. But we're going to try our best. I agree. It's, It's definitely a new venture. And I'm pretty nervous. I've done audio and video editing kind of casually through my work before. So I have the editing experience, no formal training, all self-taught. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't have any podcasting experience either, but I'm excited to push myself out of my comfort zone, try something new. Is there any specific podcast that you guys really liked? I like so many podcasts. I'm a late starter to the podcast trend. When I moved here to Victoria, someone was like, you might like this podcast. It's called My Favorite Murder. Oh, that was my first podcast yeah, too. It's, oh, wow. a, it's a comedy podcast, but also a true, true crime podcast. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was my first podcast too. Um, I think it's a good one to get into mm-hmm. like the world of podcasts. But I actually don't listen to it anymore, unfortunately. Just kind Mm -hmm. of fell off of the wagon. But, and this is going to make me sound terrible, but the most, the podcasts I listen to most are all centered around the show The Bachelor. So. Amazing. (laughs) Amazing. You can probably glean a little bit of information about who I am based on that. And um, yeah, I really like Chatty Broads. Uh, That's one. They've kind of leaned away from Bachelor content recently, so you know, dipping my toes into something new, but... How about you, Vincent? What... I have not been into podcasts that much. I think the brief time I was was when I was in my, like, productivity 
hustle phase, which mm. is very much not what I am now. Like those podcasts that talk about like how to take advantage of your day, like how to like wake up really, really early. So like life hack podcasts. Yes, mm. yeah. I love life hacks. <laughs> I will say though, now that you mentioned The Bachelor, um, one recent podcast I was listening to in my car is Tay to Z, and it analyzes the lyrics of Taylor Swift. Oh, okay. That gives you a little bit of an idea of who I am. That's great. (laughs) That's great. So uh, we were chatting earlier, and it seems like we all have like a creative background. Yeah, so my kind of creative background, not really an official background, but when I was growing up, I was one of those kids that was really into YouTube. So I would have all of these people, uh, YouTubers that I would watch. Um, But when I was younger, it was people making their own music videos to popular songs. So that was like my dream. Uh, My first music video was to Just Dance by Lady Gaga that I made on Windows uh, Movie, Movie Maker. And ever since that phase, I, growing up, I thought that I could become a filmmaker and go to film school. So that was kind of my dream growing up. And I quickly realized that I'm terrible with most creative endeavors. Uh, and yeah, I, I don't know. I've just always really liked those kinds of things. And yeah, movies, music, all of that kind of stuff. But practically I've never really been good at it so I've just never jumped into it as a viable career option and clearly now I'm in law school so we all know how that turned out. (laughs) Law school is very creative. You have to make a lot of very creative arguments. Mm -hmm. That is true. That's true. My creative past? I think there's a bit of an age gap here because I um, like YouTube wasn't a thing when I was a kid. The neighborhood kids and I we would recreate Backstreet Boys Mm music videos or like we would pretend to be dancers and just dance to the Backstreet Boys a lot but what was missing from the similarities of our story is that no one recorded it because (laughs) we didn't have like easy access to recording devices because it was the 90s um, and only very like fancy families had those Mm. video recorders. My I guess my creative I've always been into like drawing when I was a kid And then through my work, I was kind of thrown into the marketing field where I would do a lot of graphic design. Again, I don't want to call myself a graphic designer because I have no training. It's all self-taught. I love that. Yeah. (laughs) I was also into graphic design when I was young. I was an intern. I think I would describe it as like a marketing firm. Have you guys watched Emily in Paris? Yes. No. (laughs) (laughs) you're not missing out on much yeah not at all but basically the premise is this girl from america goes to paris and she works as like a social media marketer and that firm savoir um is i think is what the kind of place i was working at so emily in paris is like very akin to what your life was like i don't know about my life but (laughs) And she's also a little bit more glamorous than me because I was only an intern and it okay. didn't, I didn't get paid. Oh. Um, but yeah, so that was kind of like my creative interest. Coming to law school, I didn't want to lose that part of me. Like, I want to be, I want to be a cool lawyer, you know? I want to... 
I like law is fun. Not like a regular lawyer. Not a regular You're a cool lawyer. lawyer. Like law is fun, but I still I want to do something on the side as well. Right. And so I think this is like my dip back in to that kind of creative side. Nice. Yeah. I appreciate that. Yeah. Well, it's interesting <clears throat> hearing our stories about how we got to making podcasts the concept for this episode. I want the listeners to kind of get to know us on a more personal level. And in order to do that, I was thinking through a game. Have you guys played We Are Not Really Strangers? No. It's a game that I discovered just before the pandemic, and I felt like it really helped me in that time frame like of what was going on in the world and just trying to be more consciously reconnecting with my friends. I think it was by this woman called Corrine. She's like a, I want to say a model and what Corrine says is how do you win this game? You win it by being honest. So are there points? There are no points. Okay. It's just it really is about the qualitative aspect. Okay. How it goes is you're supposed to each player picks up one card and they ask the others that question. Okay. And then we're supposed to discuss. So who wants to do the honors? I'll go first. Sure. Okay. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> oh, I already don't want to know the answer. <laughs> um, <laughs> what was your first impression of me? My first impression of Sarah was that she was very put together and gentle was the vibe that I got put together makes me feel good because I definitely don't feel that way but glad to know that that's what I'm putting out into the world yeah I definitely got a similar impression that you were more reserved and quiet but you're definitely very like like you have your life together is yeah 100% what I thought wow okay (laughs) and still think (laughs) great well that's good that's good to know I definitely yeah I don't feel that way at all I guess I try to have my life together, um, but, you know, I feel like as a lot of type A, very anxious law students that I'm sure there are a lot out there, I guess maybe I can overcompensate by feeling like my life is out of control, that I try and control every aspect of it, Mm. if that makes sense. Not sure if either of you can identify with that. I don't think I'm type A. No? No. I think I'm, like, maybe type c i don't know what the official types are but like i'm close to a but not really like there's a lot of my life that's out of control and i i'm just okay with that Hmm. yeah i i definitely need control in my life yeah and it's like about every aspect of your life i would try to attempt to control things like my environment and like other people's reactions okay but one lesson that i've learned is that you can't control other people, and you can only you can. control yourself. Yeah. Okay, what about our first impressions of Camille, Sarah? I feel like you kind of fell into, like, the more of, a, like, a leader role when I first, like, when we first interacted. Like, I definitely, again, put together, like, you felt comfortable guiding us through the podcast project. So it definitely made me feel a lot more calm. So, yeah, having a calming presence. Yeah, I would say reliable, organized. Oh, God. Okay. And passionate, Mm -hmm. I want to say. Yeah. These are all very nice. I will say I just don't like hanging silence, I think, is the issue. 
Okay. <laughs> and I guess that's the hanging silence. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I guess my, yeah, I guess that's my area of control is just like, well, if there's going to be silence, I'll just do it. Mm-hmm. But I'm, uh, I don't want to be a bossy boss. Ever. No, that's, yeah, okay. that's not. You definitely okay. don't no. come off that okay, way. Okay, no, no, no. Good. And that's great having a figure like you. Okay. It's like, I don't know if you watch The Office, but there's a quote from Ryan, and he's like, I want a leader, but someone who leads me when I want to be led. And, you know, I feel like that's kind of more the vibe. Yeah. Mm. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Thank you. What are your first impressions of me? Again, like, I mean, I wonder if it's because we're all just like law students, but it's like very organized. You have it together, like, just. Oh. Again, just very... I'm very surprised by this characterization, <laughs> but, it's, but okay. I think both of you have this style that's very elegant, but simple aesthetically. And the things that you carry with you, like your accoutrement, the, your laptop cases and everything. And I just feel like that's, to me, it's just like, oh, that person is, they just have it together at a level that I don't. Hmm. Wow. Yeah, I definitely got similar vibes. I'll also add, like, I thought that you were very creative you just kind of gave off that energy to me when I first met you um and you seem very positive and just like you're always trying to have a good outlook on things and oh my gosh guys (laughs) I love this question okay yeah my turn on a scale of one to ten how messy do you think my car is one being the cleanest ten being a complete disaster explain Oh, I think, like, related to my initial impression of you, I think your car is, one, the cleanest. I would guess maybe, like, three. Like, you have one Starbucks cup in the cup holder or something, and maybe, like, a napkin in the console, but not too dirty. That's. I think that's a good characterization. I... Do, did have a Starbucks cup for a bit during the winter break, and then I have like BC Ferries tickets. So mostly like small pieces of paper. Yeah. Okay. But I do keep it pretty clean just because I think that's, I think I recently got my car, so mm. my whole vibe is like, I'm a car owner. This so is, I'm yeah. Like, this, this is, is me. Precious yeah. to me. Yeah. Right. I also think Sarah has like a one car. Yeah. Mm, well, I share my car with my partner, and he is very messy. Um, one time, I went into drive in the morning, and there was a banana loaf on this car on the seat in the passenger side. Uh, so I try and keep it. Was it wrapped or no, just it was like just an a open... slice of banana loaf? Yeah. I don't know what happened to the container or the packaging it was in, but yeah, just a slice of banana loaf. So I try and keep it clean, but. I can also handle a little bit of a mess. Not banana loaf level, but <laughs> like paper. I would say it's probably like a three or a four. I was going to say three or four or four, Camille. I would bump that up if I were you. Really? Yeah. I don't know. Like, we might also have different opinions of what, of what a four <laughs> is. A four is. <laughs> True. True. Um, I mean, for the most part, I try and keep at least two of the passenger seats pretty clear because I'm regularly driving a few friends for hiking. I don't leave banana loaf in <laughs> or like open food in yeah. my car. My trunk is full of, I've got a couple of crab traps in there. I have my hmm. paddle board in there. Wow. I have my hiking, hiking boots are usually just in the back of my truck. Mm-hmm. 
I feel like that paints a really clear picture of who you are, like outdoorsy and all that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Next question. Okay. What do you think my main love language is? Oh, that's hard. What are, what are the, so what are the mm-hmm. love languages? There There's gift giving, gift giving, quality time, acts of service, words of affirmation, and physical touch? Yes. Yes. I would say quality time and acts of service. Hmm. I would say words of affirmation. That would be my guess. Oh, interesting. Definitely quality time. I don't know about words of I guess so. Yeah, I like to say I like to say that I appreciate people. I thought acts of service for you because I feel like you're the te- you're like a team player. And so so the way that you player. show your care is by taking like taking stuff on. That's a very good read, I think. Very intuitive. Yeah. <laughs> I think I I guess that's how I give love. Yeah. Cuz it go it's like there's two languages, like mm-hmm. one yeah. you give and one that you receive. Yeah. I thought Sarah was affirm- words of affirmation because she's very articulate. That's true. Wow. That's a you high are. compliment. I think I like giving words of affirmation, but then in terms of like how I want other people to show love to me is probably acts of service, mm-hmm. like bringing me a coffee or something or like unloading the dishwasher for me is something that I just like, it's something that's so small. And then I'll be like, oh my gosh, thank you so much. That means like just just showing that you were thinking of the other person. I like that. But definitely I like giving compliments to people. And yeah. I think the way I receive love is definitely quality time. Like just spend, Mm -hmm. spend time with me. I think for me it's quality time and physical touch maybe Mm -hmm. i I think everyone has like different degrees of all the love languages Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and everybody loves differently yeah okay yeah should we skip to our deeper questions sure sure to give our listeners some context Mm -hmm. i printed out some extra questions that i've made and i've titled it stary and decisis expansion pack okay yeah (laughs) so first question i'll go first Tell me about your background. Describe your journey. Camille, why don't you start? I grew up in Ottawa, Ontario, which is the unceded territory of the Algonquin peoples of the Anishinaabe Nation. My parents are from, they were also born in Canada, but their parents were not. Um, My grandparents, all four of them, were immigrants to Canada after World War II, so My dad's parents are from France and Ireland, mother, father, respectively. And my mom's parents are from the south of China. My parents met at U of T and then moved to Ottawa and raised this family that includes myself and my two older brothers. And we grew up pretty normally, I guess. Like we lived in the west part of Ottawa just west of downtown and lived on this like for the majority of my life I lived on this street that was like a dead end street which was really cool and when we moved there in the 90s there were like 33 kids within a 10 year age gap so it was just like mayhem Mm -hmm. yeah it was a lot of fun yeah it was a pretty normal pre-internet life I also didn't grow up like my parents are kind of frugal and so we didn't like have cable 
and I didn't what like we weren't allowed to go to Disneyland or anything we went to Marineland once so it was just very much like we live on this street and we do things in Ottawa and like once a year we'll go to a cottage with your cousins and your aunts and uncles and we'll hang out outside for 10 days that was great honestly Mm -hmm. it's like my favorite place in the world so wow that's on the that sounds like a fun childhood yeah Mm -hmm. it was pretty good did you say part of your family was from france yes okay can you speak french my yeah so my dad's mom was is from or was from marseille in france which is south of france and then growing up in Ottawa, Ottawa is like a bilingual city. It's a government town, federal yeah. government town. So I went to immersion school since I was four. Oh, me too. Yeah. Yeah, wow. I did French immersion. Yeah. But then in high school, I stopped being an immersion and I did what's called extended French. So I don't have a French immersion certificate from mm-hmm. high school and I haven't spoken listened to or read in French since I was like 17 but yeah how about Sarah yeah so I'm uh I'm Anishinaabe on my mom's side um French on my dad's side and but I grew up on the traditional territory of the Katsi and Kwantlen First Nation uh, in Pitt Meadows which is kind of a small farm slash suburban town um, near Maple Ridge and Coquitlam. And that was a really nice place to grow up. Very quiet. Um, over the years, we've kind of seen it. All of the farmland and the marsh that used to be out there is slowly getting developed with like townhouses, apartments, and everything. So it's very different now from where I grew up, for, from when I grew up. But um, yeah, I'm the oldest of three kids. My parents are from what we call out east in Sudbury (laughs) so now um yeah and then they moved out here to BC and that's where I've been born and raised um growing up it was I kind of hit I feel like the tail end of that without internet growing up phase like I still remember looking out the window to see if my neighbors were playing in the backyard or in the front so I could go like hang out with them um and yeah, in high school, it was a lot of, like, going to bonfires and doing the sort of farm town teenager-like things, which was great. I appreciate that I had that upbringing. Um, yeah, my dad was a lawyer, so I kind of got that exposure to law school or the legal field growing up, and my mom's a teacher, so that just told me that I never want to be a teacher from her stories it's a very hard job yeah yeah much respect yeah. to everyone who's been a teacher but I just could never I feel like I lived a pretty boring uh, childhood upbringing which is good I feel very fortunate for that yeah did French immersion <laughs> through <laughs> did French immersion from elementary school up till high school and then I did my first year of undergrad at U Ottawa actually oh wow um, where my cousins and my grandma live in Canada. Um, and then I did, I went out there because I wanted to continue with my French and they had mm-hmm. an option to do a communications degree in their French second language sort of stream. So I got to take some of my classes in French. Nice. Um, and then the winter just scared me away. So I came back here. The winter scared me away too. And mm-hmm. I grew up there. Yeah. So. Okay. Well, for me, my parents are both from Taiwan, 
they immigrated separately to Richmond. And I think for my dad's family, it was in 88. They met here, I think amongst their friend group. I was born in Richmond. One interesting thing about Richmond is that it's very, I feel like it's very Asian. Growing up in school, I felt like 90% of the students were Asian. So that was a really interesting experience for me because it felt very homogenous and all the authority figures were white. Mm. So that kind of like informed my kind of associations um, at a young age. That like power imbalance or that yeah. authorities. Like I think mm. I used to be scared to like talk to older people, older white people because it just reminded me of like teachers. Oh, I see. Yeah. And stuff like that. I really enjoyed being in Richmond because like all the Asian food and the sushi mm. is like amazing. And then I went to Toronto for undergrad and that was where I came out and then started exploring like my creative side. I felt more myself Mm -hmm. or like I found who I wanted to be there. So it was good to get out of my bubble and go somewhere else. I think that was Mm -hmm. one of my reasons for going out east and a controversial opinion i feel like the weather there is not bad but that in, was in toronto, in toronto no <laughs> oh, yeah really? yeah okay. it's milder in toronto than ottawa oh, okay. because it's it's further south and you're on lake ontario which That's is a more moderate a big lake whereas ottawa's in this valley right it's basically like one long wind tunnel mm-hmm. what was your path to law school I did classics and then I tried to go to grad school and then I quit grad school and I remember having an exit meeting when I was like leaving grad school and my grad school supervisor was like just as long as you won't be a lawyer and I was like never because I just had this idea of like what lawyers were and I was like nah that's not me I I can't really do that and so I kind of just like floated around a lot I worked as a receptionist I gained a lot of administrative experience and then I went back to school though after i i worked at this construction firm where i experienced a lot of like racism and sexual harassment and i was just like what about feminism i thought feminism cured this in the 90s and so i went back to undergrad and i did a gender studies degree and that's where i was kind of like oh right i'm not really a white person even though i pretended to be one for the last like 20 years of my life you know these issues in the world are very real and I took courses in like human rights and this one course was in particularly impactful it's called criminalizing women and it was looking at the intersection of like gender policy and the criminal justice system got me more thinking about law school and how do you advocate for people who don't have a voice in the system and who've just been like systemically marginalized and continue to be so, especially in a society where you have this like widening wealth gap. Like how do how how can I use my privilege and my very like safe upbringing with you know two professional parents take these skills of reading and writing that I've learned but don't really know how to use and help people, which sounds very like savory, but that's not necessarily what I'm trying to convey. So I thought about it a little more and I was just like, but I don't really know like what type of law school I would want to go to. And then I just kept working and I moved out here and I got another job at a consultancy that did cultural heritage assessments and research work with indigenous communities. And then I was kind of like learning about 
how natural resource projects worked and infrastructure projects and the imposition on indigenous communities to like review these projects and I was thinking like how can I work in this field be in this role but have a little bit more knowledge or understanding or leverage and then um, my coworkers told me about the joint degree program at UVic and I went to hear a bunch of talks about it and I was like this is it this is how I would do law school I got into law school on March 11th and then March 16th they locked everyone down oh wow yeah (laughs) wow so I couldn't even like didn't do a celebration with my friends didn't do anything it was just like immediately go into your house and Mm -hmm. cry for a million days yeah I remember um doing my finals during that time very weird yeah, I was finishing my last semester of undergrad, and I was very happy, actually, that we were able to go online. It was very, it was terrifying going into a global pandemic, yeah. but it was nice to not, because I was commuting from Langley to SFU every day, so not having to do that for the last two months of my undergrad was really nice, and I can officially say I never got stuck on the mountain when it snowed, so I was happy to get out of my undergrad, never having to walk down the mountain when the buses stopped running. Um, I feel like I have a similar thing because I didn't think that being a lawyer is what I am or like how lawyers are depicted. It didn't feel accessible. I just never even thought of applying in undergrad. Again, my undergrad was in psychology and criminology. I thought I was going to be a psychologist or like a therapist, but that came pretty late. Like that was in, I, I want to say third year. And before that, I really didn't know. So on top of that, I'm like, oh, should I do something creative instead? And so that's why I did, mm. like, all the graphic design stuff. And so I was just, like, very unsure. So when I finally decided to do the go, like, the therapy route, I think it was a little bit too late because they require a lot of, like, research. And if you want to be a psychologist, you would have to do a PhD. And I just, I was ready to graduate and research I didn't have enough research experience to do all that at the same time the criminology part of my degree really spoke to me one particular course called neighborhoods and crime kind of like unpacked a lot of common beliefs that we have about like who commits crime and like why and there was another interesting course called representations of crime or something like that and how like tv and news kind of plays off like those kind of representations and how we like demonize certain people. And I connected back to my psychology degree because we have a lot of prejudices. In that course, Neighborhoods and Crime, Mm -hmm. I learned about like homelessness, like how the welfare state got dismantled in the 80s and how that created a lot of issues that we still see today. And how like a lot of prejudices that the community has is kind of reflected through the guise of like democracy or like public opinion and that's how a lot of real changes that could be made for homelessness is like quashed and just as I was doing that there's this provincial project in BC called temporary modular housing and they were proposing to have housing first solutions all over the province but at that time like Richmond wasn't ready for that that kind of project and I heard and I just saw a lot of the same dynamics play out from what I've learned in my courses and mm-hmm. so I thought I would have something to say and so me and my best friend Joni Fu if you're if you're listening shout out to her but we decided to do, do like a change.org 
petition mm-hmm. because I was still in Toronto at the time. And then we, it was a whole thing. Like we came back to Richmond for like a city council meeting and we were able to speak there. That was the first time I felt like, oh, like I can actually do something. If I want something changed, like I can do something about it. But in terms of actually coming to law school, it was a whole thing. Because again, I didn't think that it was accessible to me. And then Joni was like, hey, I'm just gonna try the LSAT, like just on on a whim. And I was like, oh, I didn't know you could just do that. Like, (laughs) and that's why I looked into it. It's like mostly if you do well on the test, then there's more of a chance, more like numerical based. So I was like, okay, like, I don't need like research experience or any of that. I'll just work really hard on my LSAT. Mm -hmm. So I took a gap year to do that. And then... I'm here. Nice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's cool. Sarah. I guess since like growing up with my dad being a lawyer, I always was kind of, it was always seemed as an option for me. And growing up with that kind of privileged environment, I did have a lot of opportunities to expose myself to the legal field and what that could look like. Um, I interned at a tax law firm for a little bit and the lawyer there did a lot of pro bono work. So I was able to get some really good exposure on just what it looks like in practice. And I kind of thought, learned that, yeah, you can help people do in the legal field, which was something I was kind of like, oh, lawyers are all bad and terrible (laughs) sometimes. Just, um, you know, what you see on TV and everything. But, um... Yeah, so growing up, I was always, I always felt really empowered that that was a journey that I could take, and that was kind of my goal going into university. Um, In high school, I was, you know, one of those elementary school, high school, I was a gifted child, so I walked into university thinking that, you know, I would just be able to not really try that hard, and it would get me through, and it kind of hit me in the face that, you know, you can't really, you actually have to try for things to succeed in life sometimes. So that was a huge blow to my ego and just uh, kind of started spiraling a lot of different mental health issues for me, grappling with my identity and everything I knew growing up and thought about myself and thinking like, maybe I'm not who I thought I was and just dealing with all that. So I kind of, my grades started to slip and it just seemed like it was less and less attainable for me. Um, And then through a lot of self-discovery, I kind of got back on track with school. Um, With university, I found getting into the upper year courses, I was able to do things that I was more interested in, um, focus on some like more niche areas, and just start to think, okay, if I really wanna go to law school, how how am I gonna do that for myself? So, I decided to take the LSAT with one of my best friends. And this was the first digital test that they were running. Mm-hmm. So they were able to give you that, like, see your score and then cancel it if you want, it, if you want to. So I was like, oh, it's basically a free try if I want. Um, and then I just studied really hard for that and kind of just telling myself, if you want to do it, you actually have to try, <laughs> put in the work. And, yeah, it just kind of... Fortunately, it worked out for me, and coming into law school just really showed, like, the value of hard work, you know, and something I never had to learn growing up, which sounds very 
I don't even know, like, yeah, very privileged of like never having to actually like try really hard on things. And so getting to law school was like a grind, but I think it like made me a better person and taught me a lot of kind of plucked me out of my like privileged suburban upbringing a little bit, which was good. I think I've definitely benefited from that. Yeah, the LSAT was one of the darker times in my life. Like, yeah, it was hard. Because when mm-hmm. I was taking it, I think you had to wait how many months for the result. And, like, just the waiting. Yeah. And, like, being like, should I keep studying or should I just wait? Like, that whole process was really gross. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I don't want to go back to that. No. <laughs> so should we do the next question, Camille? Sure. What did the pandemic teach you, Sarah? I think the biggest thing that the pandemic taught me was to slow down and you can't plan everything in your life. Um, I've always been the kind of person that looks forward and is like, where do I want to be in 10 years? And how do I set myself up now to achieve like the goals I have long term? And then when the pandemic hit, my whole life kind of got flipped upside down. I was like moved out at that point. And so I moved back in with my parents and with my partner and my grandma was also living there. So I think there's seven people at my parents' house at one time and five of us were working from home. Wow. So it was just that kind of shift and starting law school and not knowing whether we were going to move to the island or not all of my plans, my careful planning, <laughs> turned into me living in my parents' basement <laughs> for for a year. So, wow. yeah, but I was able to reconnect with my family. Um, as an adult, I think it's a unique thing to live back with your parents because you just connect with them on such a different level, I feel like, as you get older. Yeah, it was it was very special. Like I do look back, lots of anxiety about, mm-hmm. you know, the virus and everything, but looking back, it's yeah, good memories for me. Did you end up moving to the island for your first year? No, I did my first year fully from my parents' house, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. which was great having my dad around to just <laughs> bounce questions True. off of and have legal discussions and finally know what he was talking wow. about when he tried to explain things to me in the past. So yeah, though it was really cool, like constitutional law learning about how everything works and then finally sort of understanding what happens in the news and like getting a broader context for everything and then having someone to discuss that with after was just it was a interesting experience. So how about yeah. you, Vincent? What did the pandemic teach you or what is it teaching you? Well, yes. I think that it really allowed me to connect with people more intentionally. Mm-hmm. It almost felt like a noise-canceling headphone. There's no distractions anymore. I'm like reaching out to the people that I really care about and want to spend the time with. Again, like quality time. And I had a lot of good memories. I think during the pandemic, I also like found a lot of new hobbies. Like I started running and I started hiking more. Because you have to be outside now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, I can't stay inside. It's like, I'm going to get cabin fever if I keep mm-hmm. it up, you know? Yeah, and there were, like, important people in my life who kind of inspired me to be more adventurous. Also took up uh, plants. I'm really into plants now. My goal is to be a plant daddy. How many plants do you have? I have four right now. I have nice. a, an African mask 
Is that like a big triangular leaf? Yeah. Yeah. Kind of. And then I also have a fiddle leaf fig. Oh, yeah. Classic. They just look nice to me. I yeah. don't remember the names. Yeah. yeah. Sounds very satisfying. Mm-hmm. What about you, Camille? Well, at the beginning of the pandemic, I learned a lot about the limits of my mental health. I did not fare very well. I have a, a lot of my family members are are in the med- the medical field, doctors. Mm. So there was, I think, with all the uncertainty of their safety and PPE protocols Mm -hmm. and then for some reason I was it was in my Facebook and Instagram algorithms to like tell me all the most horrible hospital stories Mm -hmm. and I was watching them and so that was like a reinforcing loop that Facebook had me in and so I had to like learn how to cope with that and like knowing that I don't know when the next time I'm going to see my parents is I don't know when it's safe to see them because my mom was still working in clinic what if she got COVID? you know she's older Mm -hmm. and like what if she got COVID and then she died and I never saw her so it was like a lot of like panic thinking um, and catastrophizing during a catastrophe like Mm -hmm. a global pandemic so it was like really hard and I've like have mental health struggles in the past and uh just like live with depression at the beginning of the pandemic i i also started seeing like a counselor through work because i was in this like new i was in management at work now because my manager had left so i was just like in this new role learning all these new things and the world was falling apart but we were still working like 40 hours a week but from home Mm -hmm. and i was just like "Mm, cool like just time to be alone by my thoughts with my Mm -hmm. thoughts all the time Mm. um but like pretending everything's normal but everything's not normal uh and so I finally like talked to a doctor and like (laughs) got on medication and like started this new chapter of my life where I'm actually like I guess chemically managing my my depression Mm -hmm. which I think has been really great yeah I feel like I'm just able to handle so much more in life which is like a really cool feeling so that was cool and then on a lighter note I just felt like I learned to just you just have to take the opportunities in your life that are handed to you and kind of try and you know walk into walk into it just say yes to what's put in front of you and just go with it as much as possible like I said yes to doing this podcast and here we are yeah something I definitely did not need to add to law school anxiety was the anxiety of checking case counts every single day yes and seeing those go up that just refreshing to see if there's any new orders you know that's something that none of us would have had to deal with it's like we've all become hobby epidemiologists Mm -hmm. without wanting to be Mm mm-hmm yeah, like I, I didn't pursue science for a reason. <laughs> <laughs> we can finish off with like some, some easy questions. Okay. So, what are our favorite TV shows? I know you mentioned The Bachelor. Yeah. So, so I love all reality TV. Um, my favorite TV show right now that I've been binge watching has been Real Housewives of New Jersey. I love all of the Real Housewives, but um, I have to watch them all from season one. So I've successfully done that with Beverly Hills and Salt Lake City, and now my next one is New Jersey. Wow. Mm -hmm. 
Um, well, I, I really enjoy comedies. Like, I really like Schitt's Creek and, like... Mm-hmm. That's a great show. Um, yeah. the, the Good Place? Yeah. Wait, is that the... Yes. yes. The Good Place. I like those. But, yeah. to like, reality TV-wise, I really like Keeping Up with the Kardashians. Mm-hmm. And the most recent soap that I'm obsessed with is Dynasty, Ooh, which okay. Camille has, like... Right. Like, you were informed me. me that it was from the 80s. I didn't yeah, know that it's, there was a... It's an, it's an old show, Right? There's a Netflix reboot, I think. Yeah. Uh, okay. Is it a Netflix show? It's on Netflix. It's on Netflix. And oh, it's just okay. so extra and soapy that I'm, like, obsessed you with You should it. watch the original, too. Really? Probably. I mean, I've never seen it, but yeah. I imagine it's mm-hmm. just as good. But, yeah, if you're into soapy, like, the first season was amazing. Yeah. Um, I, I watch so much TV. Like, I love mm-hmm. reality TV. Um, I don't pay for the stream. Like, I don't have cable, though. So I just stream. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I don't pay for The hey Real you. Housewives or Kim Kardashian. Hey, you. I would. I'm I'm thinking about it. I'm, mm-hmm. like, I'm not taking it off the table because I do love reality TV. I watch all the Netflix ones, like The Circle, yes. uh, Love right. is Blind. Yes. That one, the best. Too Hot to Handle. Too Hot to Handle. Yes. Um, 20-something Austin. Um, Selling Sunset. Selling Sunset, Selling Sunset, big time. I watched Selling Tampa. Mm-hmm, me too. Like, yep. the spinoffs, love it. I'm also a big fan of comedies, though. Um, I like the classics, though, like Parks and Rec mm-hmm. and The Office. Yeah, I love right. those, too, yeah. as well. I've been really into Euphoria lately, oh, too. Oh, yeah. I've yeah. heard That's of that. That's a good show. Is it really so, good? It's really good. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, well, that concludes episode one of Stary Indecisis. Very fun episode. I hope that our listeners got to know us a little bit. And we got to know about each other, too. So that exactly. was really fun. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and we're li- really excited to show you our amazing lineup of episodes. We have a lot of interesting content that we've brainstormed so far, right? Definitely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and special thanks to Nicola and, and CFUV. CFUV for mm-hmm. providing their studio space for us and teaching us all we need to know about podcasting. Exactly. Yeah. Thanks for listening. Okay, bye. 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 And that's all for this episode. Thank you for listening to Starry and Decisis. We'll chat again in our next episode. Starry and Decisis is a student-led podcast at the University of Victoria Faculty of Law affiliated with the Appeal Publishing Society and produced at the CFUV Studios. You can find us at our website, onlineacademiccommunity.uvic.ca slash starryindecisis.